Well, here's the thing. We are able to learn only when we are ready to change. Wait a minute. Can people change? Yes, they can. That's what Proverbs chapter 9 says. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Embry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Uh, we study the Bible. We're studying Proverbs chapter 9, and, you know, we can change. Now, songs have said people can't change, but we can. We'll talk about it in about five minutes. Corey and Ryan are coming up in 20 minutes' time. Corey? I'm talking about jars in Jerusalem that yielded up pretty surprising results. Ryan? Well, today I'm taking a close-up look at wisdom's seven pillars referred to in Proverbs 9.1. All right, jars and pillars. That's fascinating. All coming up in about 20 minutes' time. So, Janice, what are you going to do? Wise or foolish. <laughs> okay, so this is another great program. Make sure you make time to join us. She's coming up in about 25 minutes. So let's get started. Open your Bible guide and let's read. Proverbs 9, 1 through 12. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. You know, Proverbs chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11 is what we read today as we go through the Bible. And this is absolutely amazing. Now, the Bible says that the best way to have a long life is to learn wisdom. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways that we seek longevity today, exercise, diet, medication, surgery, science. But a good long life begins with God's wisdom. It can be a really difficult thing for us to get in the learning mood because we're told we know everything. There are distractions of technology, the business of life, and the brutal state of the world that seem to take up most of everyone's energy. That's all we're talking about these days. But rather than allowing ourselves to be distracted, and rather than seeking longevity through worldly wisdom, let's change our attitudes a bit. We need to be truthful 
about our problems. The world and our lives have gotten to their sorry states through sin, S-I-N, sin, doing what we want when we want to do it. Only repentance and forgiveness through Jesus Christ will make a difference. When we humble ourselves before God and search for his wisdom, things will begin to turn around for us. Now that's very important. Keep that in mind because not everybody thinks that sin is a problem. In fact, some people, well, they, they just believe that there is no sin, but that's absolutely wrong. There is, and we need to come to grips with the reality of that. Now, we didn't necessarily get ourselves into the state, but we are a part of it. And so we come to God and ask him to help us, and he does. Today, we're talking about learning. You know, when I was in school, I would go to class, and I got into my teenage years, and I knew everything. I knew everything the teacher knew. I knew every, And I learned later on that wasn't very smart. But if we get to the place where we can learn more, that would be good. Take your Bible guide, if you have it with you. Turn to today's passage. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us, or you can write to us and get a hold of yours. Another way to do this is to go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And click on the Bible guide on that page. It'll take you to a donate page. And thank you for your donations. I appreciate them very much. We do. Here, the staff does. Keeps us alive. But it takes you to a page you can download it exactly how we printed it. So that's very, very important. But let's pray today. Because we don't need to read the Bible with our ideas in it. You know, we know everything. So we're going to tell the Bible what to say or how to interpret it. Let's read the Bible correctly. So, Father, I pray today as I hold up my iPad with the Word of God in it, that you would help us to learn what the Word of God says, that your Holy Spirit in our hearts would wake us up and teach us your way and show us your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. Now, as we look at this, we need to pay attention to it because it's important. Proverbs 9, verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. The call of wisdom. We are able to learn when we are willing to change. <laughs> That's, I wish I could have said that to myself earlier. Uh, we must be willing to change our attitudes in order to succeed. Now, you know, there's a lot of people and their attitudes are all wrong. You talk to them and they know everything. Well, do this and do that. That's your problem. You didn't do what I said. We're not... Christians are not people that tell others to do what they said. Christians are doing things that Jesus said. Very important. God didn't say, go tell that person to do this, that. He didn't say that. 
God said, you do this and you do that. That's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Very interesting. Well, let's go on to Proverbs 9, verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself because he's scoffing. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Verse 8. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Oh, this is important. People who learn from others become wise. (laughs) We learn from God, yes, but we also learn from each other. It is good to listen to God's counsel. You know, God talks about his counsel. Do you know what that is? There are people God has selected and there is no better way. I love what the apostles said. They said in Acts chapter two and three, they said it seemed good to us, to us, not to me. It seemed good to us that we do that because God has said this. So what they did is they took the words of Jesus Christ and they personally took them, but they also listened to each other. And through the listening and hearing of each other, they heard what God was saying because God doesn't give everything just to us. He gives some things to you and some things to me. And we need to come together and learn that that's called fellowship. We seem to have forgotten that along the way. All right, let's go on to the next one. Proverbs 9, 10, 11. The fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied and the years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. Do you understand what he's saying? Look at this. The wise are teachable because they humbly seek after God and his understanding. Humbly. Keeping our minds on Christ and following him is a life of wisdom. This is really interesting. I remember I was with a friend of mine when I was young and he was building speakers. And he built a set of speakers for the church. And he said, let's take them down to the local speaker shop. And there was a place that sold speakers. So he took them down there. And the guy said, well, here's the problem. One, two, three. He just built them. And he he looked at him and he said, thank you. He took them back. He did that two or three times and he got them right. And he told me, he said, unless I listen to people who know things because they study them, I will know nothing. I have to listen. And it's like us with God. God knows everything in our life. He knows everything we're going to go through and everything that's going to happen. It would be unwise for us, foolish in fact, not to listen to the Lord. God has desired to talk to you. How many things has the Lord desired to say? But we've been too busy yapping. We haven't listened. Father, help us to listen to you today. We seek your face and we desire to know you in our prayer times. And hopefully we have a time of prayer and Bible reading. Help us to hear you and listen to you and fulfill what you say in the name of Jesus Christ. Make it so.
A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. Welcome back to the program. Today I'm focused specifically on Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, which says that wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. Now, this is really interesting, and it causes one to wonder about these seven pillars of wisdom. Just what are these pillars, and why are there seven? Well, the New Testament book of James might just give us the answer. The Bible is a book full of numbers. In fact, it could be said that in the scriptures, numbers are as numerous as the stars of the heavens. Whether those numbers be general or specific figures, the Bible is clearly a book brimming with numbers. Perhaps most prominent is the number seven, which symbolizes divine perfection. Indeed, there are over 600 explicit occurrences of sevens throughout both the Old and New Testaments. Some examples include the seven days of creation, the seven days of rain after Noah enters the ark, the seven days between the doves, and Jacob serves seven years for each of his two wives. In the time of Joseph, there are seven years of famine and seven years of plenty. There are seven feasts of Israel, and there are seven priests with seven trumpets circling the city of Jericho seven times. And Solomon was seven years in building the temple. Even Solomon's book of Proverbs itself is an anthology of seven collections. While many of these occurrences of seven are fairly straightforward and self-explanatory, there are others which require some further inquiry. One such example is Wisdom's Seven Pillars in Proverbs 9.1. Wisdom, the proverb says, has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. While it is not explained here what exactly these seven pillars of wisdom are, the Bible scholar and father of modern creationism, Dr. Henry Morris, believed that Jesus' half-brother James answered this question. Morris notes that just as Proverbs is the Old Testament book of wisdom, contrasting wisdom and folly, so James in the New Testament contrasts the wisdom from above and that of the world, the flesh and the devil. In James 3.17, James does seem to identify the seven pillars or characteristics of wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above, says James, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So the seven pillars of the house of true wisdom are therefore built on Christ, the one foundation constituting the stability of genuine Christian character. These seven characteristics, as given in James 3.17, are thus the measure of genuine wisdom. So it seems that Jesus' brother James answers the question about what wisdom's seven pillars are. Number one is purity. Two, peace. Three, gentleness. Four, willingness to yield. Number five is to be full of mercy and good fruits. Number six is to be without partiality. And number seven is to be without hypocrisy. And why seven? Well, as I mentioned in the segment, the number seven symbolizes divine perfection. Very fitting. 
That, that really is something, uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, and, and this is something that we study in the book of Proverbs today. Mm -hmm. So it's good. Now, Corey, this yes. is going to be good. Jars. 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 Okay. Before that, mom, mm -hmm. you baked a lot when we were kids. Yes. And do you remember I always, whenever you would pull out the vanilla, I always would ask to smell it and then to taste it. And you always said, it's not going to taste what you think it's going to taste like. And then I tasted it and it was always very bitter. Mm -hmm. This is, this it, that I just, all those memories come flooding back when I look at this study. So we're going to take a look at some jars. So in March of 2022, a team of archaeologists published an article examining the contents of several jars that they found in excavations in Jerusalem. Now, uh, the article that I'm pulling this from is available on the Plus One website. Uh, uh, Brandon, how about you go put a picture, a screenshot of that uh, on the screen for everyone, because this article is available on the Plus One website. It's open access, so it's free for anyone who's interested in reading the technical details. Uh, so anyway, this team of archaeologists, they examined jars found in two buildings in ancient Jerusalem. And Brandon, I'm going to ask you to switch over to picture number two when you're ready. So the first building was just southwest of the Temple Mount in the uh, Gavadi. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce this properly. Uh, the Gavadi parking lot excavations, which is what you're looking at right now. They're pretty, pretty well-known excavations in Jerusalem. And the second building, also south of the Temple Mount, but was on the eastern slope of the City of David, actually just above the Gihon Spring, if you're familiar with some of the topography of Jerusalem. Uh, but anyway, so nine storage jars from these excavations were reconstructed. Thanks, Brian. You can come back whenever you want. But some of these handles uh, of, of the storage jars, they were stamped with uh, a rosette symbol. Uh, now, the rosette symbol began to be used either at the end of Hezekiah's reign or in the generations following Hezekiah's reign. So Hezekiah is famous for the Lemelech handles, meaning belonging to the king. So these were big storage jars that it looks like were associated with um, with a system of getting um, consumable goods together across the country, uh, which of course in Hezekiah's day he needed because he was getting ready for the Assyrian invasion, right? But this, this national distribution system, it continued on after Hezekiah's life. So anyway, these jars specifically, with some of them with the rosette handles that were excavated in these Jerusalem excavations, they date from the time of King Zedekiah, the last king of Jerusalem, and the prophet Jeremiah. Now we know this because uh, they were destroyed and also subsequently preserved uh, by the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians in 586 BCE. So the archaeologists believe that these storage jars were used specifically for the royalty and the elites uh, in Jerusalem society due to the build the storage jars location. So how close they were to the royal complexes and even to the temple complex in Jerusalem. Now, obviously, if these jars had been full in 586 BC at their destruction, uh, the contents would have been lost when the upper floor of the rooms collapsed down onto them. Uh, there's evidence here that the buildings were set on fire and the roofs collapsed, crushing the jars. So the team decided to analyze by uh, the, the, in, the inside of these broken pieces of pottery to see, you know, if they could get uh, biological samples from that to, to look at in 
the lab. And now some of the findings were expected, uh, like for example, the jars had been reused. So Brandon, go ahead and, and pop up another picture here. This uh, picture was, it's part of the article, so it's open source. You can go see it. It was taken by someone who works for the Israel Antiquities Authority named Defina Gazet. Now, these jars were reused, so they had carried olive oil, and then they were used for holding wine. So these jars would have been pretty expensive to produce. So it makes sense that they'd be reused if they were still in good condition. Now, it's also not surprising that there was trace residue of wax around their rims because wax would have been used to seal the ceramic stoppers that would go into the top of the jars. And again, this makes sense for long-term storage because air is the enemy of preservation, right? You want to keep, uh, you try your best to keep out air. So wax did a pretty good job. Okay, what well, wasn't expected, but what was part of the article title and was part of my story with mom was that this wine was flavored with vanilla. They, hmm. they figured that out through the molecular analysis. Now, vanilla is not native to this area, to the Middle East. So it would have had to have been imported either from India or from Eastern Africa. So what this tells us is that Judah had been enjoying, Jerusalem had been enjoying the benefits of international trade routes that had been under the control, for example, of Egypt, then of the Assyrian Empire, and then of the Babylonian Empire. So Judah for a while had been a vassal territory. So they had had access to these trading routes. Okay, so let's take a look at one more picture from the article. Go ahead and pop that up there, Brandon. This one was taken by Sasha Flitt of the Tel Aviv University. And these show some of the jars that contained vanilla spiced wine that served the elites of Jerusalem. Now think about this, that were alive at the time of the prophet Jeremiah, of his scribe Baruch, of King Zedekiah. And they had been reused, so it's possible that they- 2,500 years old. Very wow. famous biblical human beings, okay? Uh, it's just really cool. Uh, now, the uh, the archeologist uh, also mentioned that uh, the prophet Jeremiah in his book does reference these trade routes, uh, not specifically vanilla coming on them, but Jeremiah 6.20 says this, and it's God speaking to the Judeans. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? That's Jeremiah 6.20. So while it's not directly confirming vanilla imported from these distant lands, it is making reference to trading routes upon which exotic spices and things of that nature would come. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We learn a lot from this program. Just cool. sitting here at the table and listening. <laughs> I'll tell you. It, Thank you. That's great. Thank that's you. Great. Yeah, for you're your, welcome. <laughs> and, and for yours as well, mm -hmm. Ryan, because you handled the second part that I'm not dealing with of verse one of Proverbs nine. Wisdom has built her house. Mm -hmm. That's why I decided to call my segment wise or foolish. Are we wise or are we foolish? And it brought me to to what Jesus was talking about, because we have here, wisdom has built her house. Ryan has introduced us to the possibility of what these seven pillars mean from the book of James. And when I go back into a section where Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter seven, we take a look at, it and it's actually very, a very sobering thought. I want to read it for you. Starting at verse 21, Jesus is saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? 
and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who practice lawlessness. And then he goes on to say, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, Bible, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on their house, and it fell and great was its fall. Are you living on the wise side, building your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word, the word of God, as your authority, as your foundation? Or are you putting your trust in the things of this world, which right now, I have to say, don't look very stable. I see a lot of things in our world that are coming, crashing down as the storms of life come, it might be a good idea for us to take time and see where we're putting our trust, what foundation we're truly building upon. I think that's really something that we need to take into consideration. And also, how we live. Did you hear when he said, I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness? We need to understand what the ways that God calls us to live. They're very different from the culture of this world. And we need to make sure, because if we're building our life on that, it's going to fall. But Jesus went on to say, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to that wise man. Remember that song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. BD Family and Friends, that's the name of the channel. You know, we did a program about 25 years ago called Just the Facts. Uh, We had a lot of fun with that program. I was a lot younger, 25 years younger and everything else. But we had a blast and we talked about the Bible and the Lord and all that stuff. It was just fun. And we did all those programs and we air that on the channel, BD Family and Friends. And it's on the streamtv.com or it's on BibleDiscoveryTV.com. But it's also on Roku channel and it's also on Fire Stick and all the rest of it on your phone and everything else. I want to encourage you to take a listen to that today. Father, today we pray, help us and me to have your wisdom and the choice of friends. I need to make sure that I choose them according to you.